With us today is Steve Cates, otherwise known as Dr. Sky, and he uh, really brightens up our weekend by uh, letting us know of uh, things going on that we really can't control uh, in the other planets, the sun, the universe, the galaxies, the Milky Way, and we have zero control over them, but it's interesting to know. Steve Cates, tell us what's going on this week. Well, good morning, John. Good to be back on the Cats Roundtable. Lots of exciting stories, and we will later get into the congressional hearing on UFOs, which is on everybody's tip of their tongue. We begin, of course, John, with the sun. Once again, on the far side of the sun this time, an incredible big CME blasted off the sun. And lucky for us, it wasn't directed toward the Earth. But here's what it did. It actually hit Europe's solar orbiter satellite and kind of knocked it out technically for just a little bit of time. This energy from the sun was coming out at 3.4 million miles an hour. And if indeed, John, that were to have happened on the front side of the sun facing the Earth, you might have had a repeat of the 1989 big Canadian blackout in Quebec. We can only tell people what, that the sun is just increasing in power. And there's another giant sunspot on the far side of the sun. Maybe that was the cause of the one with that big CME, but it's headed around the sun Maybe we'll keep you posted on that one once it gets around the other edge. This is incredible stuff. What, what, what how much, you? It's amazing. How much damage did it do to that satellite, if, if any? Well, it temporarily blinded it, John. And, you know, in the, in the specifics, these protons just hit the sensors. It's a solar satellite that's actually there, you know, to image the sun. But indeed, if that were to have happened on the front side of the sun, we can uh, only expect uh, some things that are not very nice because obviously... We're so dependent on satellites and electronics today, and the sun does affect it. Well, absolutely, we're dependent on it. And uh, God forbid something happened to our global navigation system with those satellites, uh, we'd be in deep uh, trouble. We won't be absolutely. able to order pizza for, uh, on, the, uh, on the iPhones. Uh, you got what that. else? That would make people unhappy. Oh, make us hungry. And they, they wouldn't be able to deliver, they wouldn't be able to deliver it in, uh, in electric cars. But uh, there you go. What, what else is going on? Well, John, the big news, obviously, is this congressional hearing, of course, the House Oversight Committee. And I watched it like many people. Probably you did, too, from front to back. You know, watched it a long hearing. And I wanted to make sure that I had as best information that I could. But my analysis of this is three very credible witnesses of all the three witnesses. You know, Ryan Braves, of course, Navy pilot, David Fravor, who was a commander of a flight squadron on the uh, USS Nimitz. And then, of course, the whistleblower, David Grush. I was most impressed, I think, with his testimony because he's actually saying, you know, even in between the things where he says the repetitive line, that I can't discuss all that in an open session, meaning that they're supposed to go to one of these things called a skiff. But the truth is, he said a couple of times and verified that they do indeed have, quote, spacecraft, alien spacecraft, and also, when asked the question about who was piloting it, he said, non-human. Now we have to figure out how we're going to get the truth on this. But this is still incredible, John, because we've never had hearings like this. You know, unless this is just a false flag operation, which I hope it's not. Maybe I don't we'll think, some answers. Steve, I don't think it's a false flag. And I jokingly said, were they Cleons sure. or Vulcans, uh, as a joke. <laughs> uh, because I, I firmly believe that... Uh, uh, they do have uh, beings. I have never seen them. I have never. I have not specifically 
uh, heard what they look like, uh, but I, it's been confirmed by very, very, very mm-hmm. high up, if not the top, top. Yes. Well, John, we're hoping, and everybody's hoping, who at least wants to know the truth, and that's exactly what we're after. After so long, hopefully we'll get some answers on this, but everything, imagine what those congressmen and congresswomen really know after going into these closed doors into the skiff. Let's just find out what the American people and the people of the world can hopefully find out. There's too much evidence, at least out there, to say that this is real, and we're just hoping that we get some response on this. But uh, time will tell, John. We'll keep you posted on that. But we also want to talk about SpaceX here. A launch of a Falcon Heavy. This will be the seventh launch, and this is coming around the corner. It had a delay a few days ago, some technical issues that it got down to about 65 seconds in the countdown. But what's interesting on this particular Falcon Heavy launch is that this is the largest so-called communication satellite satellite ever put up. It's known as the Jupiter-3 Echo Star 24. That's a lot to say. It's a satellite, John, that's about as large as a commercial airliner, which by itself is a big feat to get into space. But it's the largest KA-band satellite in orbit. What is that? That's a frequency in which communication is a very, you know, good thing between 26.5 gigahertz and about 40 gigahertz. But hopefully they'll get this spacecraft out there, the satellite, out to geosynchronous orbit. But the bottom line is low Earth orbit is so populated, now we're adding to the geosynchronous orbit, which is some 22,000 miles above the Earth. But still exciting, John, from technology to be able to get these big birds, as they call them, satellites, out into the universe. Understood. What else? This, uh, I mean, this... At one point, uh, a lot of us were concerned that the uh, the explosions and the uh, whatever on the uh, on the sun were causing this heat, but it, yes. it, it doesn't seem like it might not be. Uh, it's probably not. It's probably not, John. But I keep saying this as you know, many people would agree with me. I'm sure that all weather comes from the sun. But what we see is kind of a buildup and a backlog. In other words, all this solar energy that's been hitting the Earth from cycle 25. It has caused some dramatic changes to the atmosphere, but the main culprit here, at least some climatologists and meteorologists, they're saying that there's been a big shift in the jet stream positioning here in the Northern Hemisphere. And what does that mean? It means that it's causing these big blobs of these stagnant regions, like here in Phoenix. Good God. We're almost 30 days, John, where temperatures are above 110 every day. I get in my car and look sadly at the uh, odometer, and to the right is the thermometer. And every day around 2, 3 in the afternoon, it's at least 117 or 118. But simply, the big cause about this, even when we go back to the sun causing all weather, is that a change in the jet streams causing these big high-pressure domes that are kind of stagnant. And unfortunately, we're sitting on top of one of those, or one of those is right above us. But hopefully weather will change. But, John, here in Arizona, we had a great, you know, May-June Obviously, the temperatures were extremely low, so there's something definitely going on. Uh, understood. There is something going on, and uh, someday uh, we'll get a consensus of what is going on. Um, yes. Anything else to tell us? Any mysteries this week? Well, I was going to say this, John. The big thing, we move on to the live sky, because I know people tell me that they enjoy this. And what's the live sky? What you can see in the sky? Well, this is not a mystery, but this is a good thing. Over the weekend, as we move into the new month, August, we'll have two moons, that is, full moons, in the month of August. They're called two supermoons. 
Why a supermoon? Because when the moon comes to a position called perigee, meaning when it's closest to the Earth, and it aligns up when it's full, we call that term from astrology, not astronomy, a supermoon. So simply, August 1st, you get a full super sturgeon moon. And at the end of August, you get another full moon by the 30th. And usually, not always correct, the second full moon in the calendar month is called a blue moon, though some dispute that title. But let's look at it this way. It's a beautiful name. The August 30th, it'll be a super blue full moon. So there's a lot of things. And the meteor shower, John, which we'll talk about next week, called the Perseids, if you look into the northeast sky, from 2 a.m. to sunrise, one of the more active meteor showers, as long as there's not moonlight. So there you go. Always check out WABCradio.com, Dr. Sky Experience, for great information. And as always, John, a privilege and honor to be here with you on the Cats Roundtable. Thank you, Steve Cates. Thank you uh, uh, for letting us relax a little bit on a uh, Sunday morning and be able to look up and, and dream a little bit. And uh, God bless you and God bless America. Thank you, John. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.